Now, I want to talk to you uh, and just kind of tie some of what happened in this past week uh, into the message this morning. I, um, we went down to Florida as we had promised our grandchildren we would when uh, their dad got home and we did the whole Disneyland, Galaxy's Edge, Legoland thing and uh, I'm kind of theme parked out for a little while so I'm, I'm kind of glad that part's behind me but I enjoyed watching my grandchildren so much and uh, playing with them. But then we went to uh, Jacksonville to where as you've been praying with us for my brother-in-law that's been very sick and um, so while we were there, the, um, there was no more brain activity, there was no brain function, no executive function going on whatsoever, and uh, he had been asleep for three weeks on a vent, and they just couldn't get him to wake up and no activity whatsoever. And so I met with the doctors with my sister and her children, and we, they went through everything with us several times and um, just told us there was no recovery. As a matter of fact, I, I asked the question again, I said, is there any history of anybody ever recovering, coming back from the place that uh, my brother-in-law was in. And all three of them said no. And uh, Becky spent the night with my sister in the hospital that night, and I was, came back the next morning, and there was another team of doctors that had met with Becky and Kim that morning and um, said the same thing. And they weren't trying to push him off the cliff or anything, they just, there was no hope. And after they left, just before I got there, he opened up his eyes, and he was able to respond to stimuli, we were able to respond to them. He tried to make a kissy face over the vent that was in his mouth to my sister, which that took quite a bit of effort, and several other things happened they said which just couldn't happen, and the doctors came in and said, this changes everything. Isn't God good? Isn't, I mean, just think about, this is a real miracle. This changes everything. So we're so thankful for that. When Jesus taught us how to live a successful life and a victorious life, and used to, I wasn't challenged on that, but lately, sometimes, I think because of pain or suffering people went through, they said, is it really possible to live a successful and a victorious life? And the answer to that question is, Absolutely, totally, yes. And I base that on a number of witnesses in the Scripture. Uh, one of those is this, that the Lord told Joshua, He said, if you will meditate upon my word and do my word, I will give you good success. Now, there's a difference between good success and bad success. Can you say amen? And Jesus also said He makes us more than conquerors through Him who has called us. Uh, we're, we're more than victorious. 1 John 4, 4 is very clear that the spirit of the Lord within us is greater than the spirit of the wicked one that is in this world. We are more than conquerors. So God calls us to a successful and victorious life, but that doesn't mean that there's not loss along the way. And that's what I want to talk to you about, getting through this Christmas with joy, because I know there's some of you watching online, there were some, we prayed with them this morning in the altar after the service, I want to pray with you if you're going through loss in your life today. If you're watching online, please email us your prayer request and let us be in prayer with you. I had someone text me that was watching online just thanking me for the message and, and said, telling me about the loss they went through. So I, I really encourage you to listen because... I don't want you to put on a plastic face or a plastic smile during Christmas. Sometimes we go through difficult times. And when Jesus said, he said this to us about a victorious and a successful life. He says, 
when you build your house, don't build it upon sand, but build it upon the rock of my teaching. And when the storms come, say that word when with me, when the storms come, say it again, when the storms come, not if the storms come, but when the storms come, then your house will stand. And so often, I think we, we, we're just shocked or we're surprised. If I'm living for Jesus, why am I going through this trial? Why am I experiencing this loss? And loss is not just death. I think that's what we think of a lot of times. We have a family in our churches grieving the death of a loved one. And I, I just grieve with them. And I'm walking through this time with them. But loss can be from a loss of a job, loss of career. Loss can be poverty. Loss could be if, if you've lost a, a limb. I prayed with a man last week who lost a limb and, uh, in surgery. And we just agreed together for God's peace in his life. Loss can be... A, lady who lost a breast from cancer and has to have a mastectomy. There's all kinds of loss that can take place in our life. But I think it's important to understand loss has not always existed. There was a time in human history when Adam and Eve didn't know what it meant to have pain. Adam and Eve didn't know what it meant to suffer loss. Everything was provided for them in the garden. And they had this wonderful, abundant successful. Remember, they were stewards of the garden. Remember, Adam was naming the animals. We don't know how long they were there. I, I happen to believe it was for longer than a week or longer than a few days or maybe longer than even a season. We don't know what happened, but at some point, sin entered the picture, and Adam and Eve sinned against God. And when sin came into our lives, we experience loss. We experience pain. We experience grief. We experience sickness. And the reason Jesus came at Christmas was so that we could recover from that loss. We could be healed of our sins. We could be healed of our transgressions. We could be forgiven. We could be saved. And that's why the whole birth narrative that we will celebrate Christmas Eve, you shall name him Jesus for he shall save his people from their Sense. So sin changed everything, and God came into this world so that we could recover from our loss. But it does mean that you and I occasionally go through storms, and we have loss in our lives. One of my most priceless gifts is the journals that my dad gave me of my grandfather's. My grandfather, he experienced a lot of loss during the Depression, he lost six out of seven farms. He managed to save one farm. He raised his family on that farm. And that, I remember walking over that farm with my dad and my dad telling me what all that farm had given to them as they stewarded it and took care of it. But growing up in, in central Georgia, we'd come back to help. Dad would always come back and help with the farm and the livestock. I can remember coming there and comparing what I lived and what God was doing in my dad's life to, a, to an old farmhouse that set up on rocks that was lifted above the ground, an outhouse. There was no electricity. There was no indoor plumbing. And my uncle, who lived on another farm, that lived the same way. We never thought about it being his poverty because there was so much joy and there was so much happiness that was there that we came. It was just being like family. And and, and I look back now, and I, I realize I've been places in the world where they talk about this is a poverty-stricken nation. They live actually better than many people lived in the deep south at that time or lived in Appalachia. 
And I think we have to understand that even around us, there's a great deal of loss and pain. But you don't find any of that in my grandfather's journal. You do find this one really hurtful. He was grateful to God, but you find this really one hurtful thing. My father-in-law was, my grandfather was married twice. His first wife died, and then he married my grandmother. But from his first set of children, one of his children that he loved fled town, fled the county, and wouldn't pay his debts. That's the reason he fled town. My grandfather took those debts upon himself, and he paid his son's debts. As I looked at that, and I read the pain, because this son bore my grandfather's name. I bear my father in my grandfather's name. And yet my grandfather took, and he paid those debts. And that is a wonderful picture of Calvary. There was nothing that my grandfather wrote judgmental about his son, but grief over his son. You need to understand, God understands your grief and your loss better than you even understand it. So what do we do when we suffer loss? Some of you today, you came to church perhaps, or you're watching online. I know it was true in the first service from the online response and then from the altar response in the first service. Maybe you came to church and you're grieving, you're suffering, you're hurting, you're dealing with loss in your own life. And this is what the Lord would say to you. Choose to grieve your losses. Don't bury it. Don't suppress it. Don't repress it. Don't try to, for, to get past it right now, but choose to grieve your loss. Every one of us will experience loss, but each of us have to choose to grieve our losses. Loss is inevitable in life because life changes. I've been going back through my sermons from the years past that I preached, and I've only preached one sermon twice at this church, and that was from Psalm 63, and I may preach it again. It's not that it's, a sermon's not worth preaching again. You know, if you can sing a song more than once, you can preach a sermon more than once. Can you say amen? But there's just so much I want to preach from God's Word that I can't, you know, I just have to keep plowing through. But I, I went back and I was looking at one message that I preached early on in my ministry here, and I said, all of us will suffer loss. All of us will suffer loss and hurt because life changes. Nothing in life stays the same. I remember when I was younger and I could run so fast. Now I can't run anymore. I have to walk because I'm too cowardly to go get my knees replaced. And so I choose to walk. So I call myself one of the last long riders. I go for the long haul, Pastor Corey. And what I could get done in 20 minutes now takes me about 90 minutes with a walk and a good recumbent bike just to get that heart rate up and keep it going. But the point that I'm making is life happens, life changes, people change. The only thing that doesn't change is things that aren't alive. And so I asked the first service this morning, it says, how many of you, you've suffered loss, you've been through change, and all around the building people were raising their hands? It's because life happens to us and change happens, so we choose to grieve. I can't think of any loss that happens in our life that happens without some sort of pain. I can't identify whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's the loss of a reputation, whether it's the loss of a, of a, of a home. Every time there's loss, there's pain. But grieving is healthy for us. 
As I told a man yesterday who doesn't go to our church that called me and I was praying with him and he broke down and began to weep and I, I, I told him, he, he apologized for weeping and I said, please don't apologize. Cry, weep, because grieving is healthy. Crying is healthy. It helps us to get through it. It's painful to grieve, but it's healthy. Look at this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. May God our Father... And the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now imagine what a statement that is. God our Father. Aren't you grateful for that? God is your Father. That's an intimate saying right there. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Circle that word source in your outline. He is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. God never wastes a day of your pain. God never wastes a day of your loss or your sorrow. God never wastes a day of those storms that come into our lives. And when God comforts us, He comforts us so that we can come alongside of others to comfort them with empathy. Empathy is when we feel the loss that somebody else feels. Empathy is when we're able to enter that experience. And so somebody that has walked through cancer, somebody who's walked through the death of a stillborn child, uh, somebody who's walked through the loss of a job, they can walk through that with somebody else because they're empathetic. They're able to understand. But psychologists and sociologists have become very concerned about our culture today and they've come up with a whole new disorder that's prevalent in our culture called empathetic deficit disorder. And the source of the empathetic deficit disorder is the, is the pride of accumulation and the pride of status that we want in life. And when all we're after is trying to accumulate more stuff for our names, or when all we're after is trying to get greater and greater status in life, we're no longer concerned about the others in our life. We're more concerned about us. And so this whole new disorder, empathetic defect, deficit disorder in our lives, is because we're more focused upon I. So how do we grieve how do we grieve so that we can help others grieve? First thing I'd say to you is express your feelings about your loss. Recently when a man in our church went to heaven, I just got, came in here and I said, God, I don't understand. Matter of fact, I waited till everybody had gone home because sometimes I need to pray loud and I need to weep. And I'm a, I don't know if any of you, I'm a sloppy weeper. I just, you know, blow my nose. I'm loud. I just have to let it all out. I said, God, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. And God can handle that. Secondly, express your objections and your wishes to God. And say, Lord, I, I not only don't understand, I don't think it's right. I, why did you allow this to happen? I, I wish this wasn't so. And sometimes when people have lost their job, I said, tell God how you feel about it. You were a good worker. You were a good employee. You, you just wish that it weren't so. Get it off your chest. Don't repress it. And then thirdly, express your experiences. What are you going through right now? What are you experiencing because of the loss of your job or cancer or your, your loss of, your, of your, your son or daughter or loss of your marriage? What is it that you're experiencing you say, Pastor, where did you come up with these three ideas? The book of Psalms. 
Because you can find all three of these in the Psalms. Did you know more than half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament? More than half of the Psalms are, they're not just Psalms of like make a joyful noise to the Lord, but more than half of them are, is the psalmist when they're expressing their grief and their pain, their objections. And God, I wish this wasn't so. And so never be ashamed to be found in the company of the psalmist. Lament before God. Richard Exley, whom I had the privilege of ministering with a number of years ago, and I'd recommend any of his books to you, is a godly man, but in his book, When You Lose Someone You Love, he quotes C.S. Lewis, I am sure it is never sadness, a proper, straight, natural response to loss. Now notice that. Sadness is a proper, straight, natural response to loss that does people harm. But it's all the other things. What is it that does us harm? It's all these other things, all the resentment, all the dismay, all the doubt, and self-pity with which it is usually complicated. You see, when you repress your grief, when you suppress your grief, when you deny your grief, when you try to buck up and be a man or be a woman and say, I'm not going to do this, or you're wearing a plastic smile during Christmas, when you're hurting What's going to happen is you're going to complicate your life because you were designed to grieve. You were designed to be able to weep. God created you that way. And then it becomes complicating in your life because somehow or another you think it's weak to grieve. But did you know that God grieves and God grieves with you? God grieves with me. Never forget that. God the Father grieves. God the Son grieves. God the Holy Spirit grieves. Our God is one God revealing himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look with me at uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6. The Lord was grieved in his heart about the sins of people. John chapter 11, verse 33. Jesus saw her, Mary, Martha, weeping, and he saw how the people who were with her were weeping also. And his heart was touched, and he was deeply moved. Jesus wept. Jesus cried. Jesus broke out into tears. And they said of him, see how much he loved them. Later we will be told in the New Testament, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Friends, nobody ever accused Jesus of being weak when he cried. Nobody ever accused Moses of being weak when he cried. Nobody ever accused the Apostle Paul of being weak when he cried. How many men through 50 years of ministry have told me, I was always taught as a boy or as a young man, men don't cry, it's a sign of weakness. Let me tell you something, it's a sign of weakness not to cry. It's a sign of weakness not to be able to mourn and to grieve. In Psalms 34 and 18, I was a young man in Tampa, Florida, when I, this verse first stood out to me, just arrested me. I feel every word of this. The Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Those are words of empathy. Those are words of compassion. Those are words of feeling. He's close to those whose hearts are broken. Have you ever had a broken heart? He's close to those whose spirits have crushed. Have you ever felt just crushed under some of the weight or the burdens of life or the losses of life? What's he saying to us here? That God literally enters into our pain with us. That old song or that song just a few years ago, 
What if God was one of us? God did become one of us. It's what Christmas is all about, that God so loved us that he sent his son into this world, born of the virgin. He lived among us. He lived a sinless life. He did miracles among us. And here he came and walked among us. And wherever God went, he was comforting. Wherever God the Son went, he was comforting. He was healing. He was feeding. He was delivering. He was restoring. He was lifting up. He was feeding. Friends, God came in order that he could enter into our pain and suffering. And then he took all of our sins, your sins, my sins, the whole world's sins, he took sin upon himself and was crucified on that cross so that you and I might be freed of that that was breaking our hearts and lives. Remember, it entered into the garden and Jesus came and the Bible says now he has broken the power of sin in our lives. To not grieve is a mistake. To grieve is human. And I know some of you are not going to like what I'm going to say next. But grieving is part of what makes you human. Now look at me. I don't want any email either online or here. If you send it about your animals, I'm not going to read it. Animals do not grieve the way people grieve. And I know we love our little cat videos and we love our little dog videos and we see that animal that lays by the bed where somebody has died or we see that animal that goes... I was watching a documentary one night on, I think it was Discovery Channel. Animals do that because of instinct. They know something's wrong. They know something's missing. They're not grieving the way you... They don't have a broken heart. And so it's important that you understand when you grieve, you're expressing the image of God that is within you. Your cat, your dog, is not made in the image of God. You and I are made in the image of God. Can we thank him for that this morning? So it adds a whole new dimension to grief when I understand to be grieving is to be like God. Thirdly, this morning, God will heal me of my grief. God will heal you of your grief. I love this passage, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. God cares for you. Look at your neighbor this morning and just tell them, say, God cares for you. Connie, God cares for you. Dick, God cares for you. Jenna, God cares for you. God cares for me. So what does he say? So turn all your worries over to him. Now, my pastor, when we were a little boy, he was real famous for saying this. He would say, now this morning we're going to come, and we're going to come to the altar, and we're going we're to lay our burdens, we're going to lay our cares, we're going to lay them all on the altar. And so we'd have a time of prayer, and we'd lay our burdens and cares on the altar, and then he'd send us back to our seats, and we would sit down, and before he would dismiss the service, he would say, now, some of you, you're going to come back down here to this altar, and you're going to pick up what you just gave to God. You gave it to God. You can't take it back. But some of you are going to try to take it back from God, and you're going to take it out of this church, and it's not going to do you any good. Leave it at the altar. Friends, when you turn your worries over to God, God will heal you. But the longer you try to heal yourself through self-medication with alcohol or drugs or Netflix, binging on Netflix or binging on television or, or repressing or suppressing it, listen, give it to God. Express your feelings to Him. Express your objections that you wish it weren't so. Tell Him what you're going through. Look at Philippians 2.13. 
God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. That's not just when it comes to ministry, but God is working in you to heal you from the pain of your loss, from the pain of your grief. God is working to help you recover so that you can continue in fellowship. So one of the first things I'd encourage you to do if you want to be healed is stay in fellowship with your small group. Stay in fellowship with your church. And what I mean by that is sit, walk, and stand. Sit with the congregation. Sit with your small group. Stand with one another. Walk together in the Spirit. Walk together in fellowship. That's what God calls us to do. Do you realize God hates loneliness? God didn't want to, to, I mean, He had, God wasn't lonely in the sense that you and I get lonely, but He created us because He wanted fellowship with us. God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day to commune with Adam and Eve. The Bible makes that very clear. God saw that Adam was alone, and he says, it's not good that man be alone. God hates loneliness. Don't grieve your loss in isolation, but grieve with your small group or with the church. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus knew what it meant for people to reject him. There were people that walked away from Christ because his call to passionate discipleship was too great. And they said, this is too hard. So they, they left him. He looked at the 12 and said, would you leave also? One of them will break his heart and leave him. He asked them to go to the garden with him. They can't stay awake. My point is that even the Savior did not want to be alone during the time that he was about to take upon himself the sin of the world. My sister, I believe it was Tuesday night, I was standing in the room with her and this lady came in from Nigeria. Remember if you were here for Thanksgiving service, we talked about how the saying, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, came from the persecuted Christians in Nigeria and Liberia. And she had this beautiful accent. She came in to stay the night with my sister and was talking to Kim later. She prayed till 3 o'clock in the morning, just right there beside my brother-in-law, her pastor, just praying over him, pleading God's mercy over him. But that beautiful accent, I asked her, I says, where are you from? And she says, from Nigeria. So I told her what I just told you. And she goes, oh, yes. She was very familiar with it. And she looked at me. She says, continue to pray for your brothers and sisters in Nigeria, for the church is being persecuted even now. When we pray for one another, when we walk with one another, when we sit, walk, and stand with one another, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. Let us help you. Let us walk with you. Let us bless you. Let us fulfill the law of Christ and ministering to you when you suffer loss. And when those come into your life who, who come and help you, bless them in the name of Jesus. Kim and I were talking yesterday on the phone and for about half an hour, and she told me, she says, how grateful she was and how, blessed, how she wanted to bless this particular woman who had been walking with her. But we all have experienced that time where we thought others would show up to walk with us. We thought others would come there and they would, they would stand there with us and they'd stand in the gap with us. They would pray with us. They would, and they never showed up. 
And they, they were never there. The, maybe they said to us, get over it or get through it or buck up, be a man, whatever. But don't judge them because in judging them, you judge yourself. Bless those that show up. Forgive those that don't show up. And may God make of Woodland Church a church that always shows up. Can you say amen? And then the second thing is, it takes time as well. It takes time. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to cry and a time to dance, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance. If you're using the app and you have that, circle that word season. If not, later when you get home, look that verse up or use the app to find it. You see, a season, look at me. Don't miss this. A season is more than a day. A season is more than a week. A season is more than a month. If you lose a child... I. I I went to the hospital one night in Wyandotte and I held in my hands just a perfect, beautiful little baby. And I wept with the parents of that baby. I held its little fingers, his feet. I still grieve. Those parents still grieve. Whenever that happens, I call together certain mothers and fathers in our church who've had a stillbirth or lost a child like that because they know how to minister. But what they've all told me is you never, ever get over it. You remember that child. You remember that. But they have empathy, and they're able to walk with and help and comfort I express my frustration to God. I don't understand. Look how beautiful she is. I rubbed her little face, and later the nurse came in, and she said something to me. She says, you were crying. And I says, my heart's broken. I just, I love God with all my heart, but sometimes I don't understand why things happen in this life except for one thing. When sin came into this world, it changed everything. The nurse says, did the parents sin? I said, no, the parents didn't sin. God doesn't judge us for our sins. And some people will be very upset at what I say because you imagine God to be like you, vindictive and vengeful. God is not vindictive. God is not vengeful. Jesus took our sins upon himself. Jesus was judged for your sins and my sins. When loss happens in our life, it's not because we've sinned. It's because we live in a broken world and we long for the second coming of Jesus, just like we celebrate his first coming at Christmas time. That's part of what I want you to get this morning. You can get through Christmas with joy, but don't rush it. Don't try to fix everything at once. Because you're going through a season of loss. Well, let's wrap this up this morning and let me walk you through the growth work. Let me show you one more illustration of how our Savior grieves. Matthew 26 and verse 38, Jesus told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Do you see how this message is just summed up in that one verse? 
Jesus is about to experience loss. He's going to lay down his life. Nobody's going to take it from him, but he's going to lay down his life. He is going to be tortured for you and I. He's going to take our sins upon him. He's crushed. And what does he ask for? Stay with me. Stay with me. My brother-in-law, when he went into the hospital four weeks ago, three weeks he was asleep, and the miracle of him waking up, I shared with you at the beginning of this message. He said to my sister, he says, Kim, don't leave me. And she stayed by his side for three solid weeks, day and night, not leaving that hospital. And people come in every day to support and to help and to be there. We need people in our lives when we go going through times like this. So what do you do? First, capture the memories and capture the losses. We talked about, even with his children, some of we were roommates in college. We talked about things we'd done. We laughed. We didn't know we broke the law one time. They'd already picked all the oranges and the grapefruit. And so we were picking oranges and grapefruit and filled up the trunk of my car with oranges and grapefruit. And um, then we were told we were breaking the law. And I said, well, sorry, we'll, we'll put them all back and we'll put them on the ground. Nope, you got them now. Just get out of here. So we, we left. I mean, it just it was one of those funny. Gary worked for us. Chinese restaurant called Saipan and was always bringing home these leftovers to us and we dated together. We just had so much fun and watching our children grow and it just life has been like that. One of the cousins or one of my nephews said to me, he said, you know, I was talking to Ben and he says, it's never really Christmas until we're all together as family. Capture the memories but write about the losses too. What are you feeling? I've journaled those things. What are you feeling? Secondly, pray with those who grieve. My heart and my... Becky staying with my sister all night to pray with her in the hospital. That lady from Nigeria, they fulfilled James 5.13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. They're fulfilling that. Pray with those. And then thirdly, remember God loves you. God is not angry at you. God is not judging you when you go through loss. God cares about you more than you could ever dream. Such a powerful passage from 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Read this with me. The Lord loves you. Say it again. The Lord loves you. Maybe you've said that so many times, Jesus loves you, that that just kind of goes right over your head. You just, I know that. How long has it been since you fully appreciated the fact that the God of heaven loves you? That the God of six billion people on this planet knows your name. Of all the human beings that have ever, he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows everything about you, and he loves you. When I read that statement again out loud to myself this week, I just dropped to my knees and said, Lord, you know me, and you love me. I don't know if that touches you the way it does me, but when my wife tells me, I'm still moved by that. When my kids tell me they love me, I'm still moved by that. 
I watched a little video in getting ready. <laughs> One of my grandsons put his arm around my neck, and he says, Papa, I'm going to love you for a million years and back. <laughs> you think he can't get anything he wants for Christmas? <laughs> it means something to be loved. It means something to be loved by God. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray and then read one more passage of Scripture. And if you're watching online, would you just, if, unless you're driving, you know, would you just close your eyes and let me pray for you today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, you know all the things You know all the memories, you know all the hurts. You even know all the things that frighten me. You know all the losses in my life. So I come to you and I bring them to you this morning. God, I want to choose to grieve in a healthy way today. I know you call me to live a victorious and a successful life. But I know that you also enter into my pain and my suffering and my sorrows. But I also want to be the kind of man or woman that can enter and sit, walk, and stand with others. Give me wisdom to know that grief lasts for a season. Father, here in Michigan, we have a long winter. We have a short summer. So help us to understand, Lord, that seasons can be different Finally, Father, I ask you to help us remember this morning that, God, you really do love us. When we're suffering loss, it's not because you are angry with us. But, God, you will heal us. And when we grieve, we are being like you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, if you're listening and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I'm asking you this morning, would you just cross that line and say, Christ, I need you. I, I commit my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. You see, sin is what has brought this loss into the human experience. It's what's brought this loss into our world. And the only way you can recover from sin is by accepting what Christ did for you at Calvary. That's what Christmas is really all about. And this Advent season we're in now, this is about preparing for the coming of Christ, getting our hearts ready. Your heart's ready right now because you've still been listening. So I'm asking you to trust God and pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take my sins upon himself and somehow or another in his death 
my sins have been atoned for by his precious blood. I don't understand it all yet, but I know that you love me, and I love you. And as much as I know how, I commit my life to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. And if you prayed that prayer, in just a moment, Pastor Corey is going to come and share with you how you can get some gifts to help you get started in your life with Christ. But would you let me read this verse of Scripture to you? Because I think this brings it all, ties it all up together. This is in Luke chapter 1 and verse 78. Through the heartfelt mercies of our God, God's sunrise will break in upon us shining on those in darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death, and then showing us the way down the path of peace one foot at a time. God's going to lead you one step at a time. So now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you in all of its abundance. May you be blessed going out and when you return. And may God give you success and prosperity in everything you do. God bless you. You may be seated, and Pastor Corey will dismiss you. Thank you, Pastor. If you prayed that prayer and you're watching online, we'd be glad to send you a book. If you email us at info at woodland.church, or if you're here and you prayed that prayer, just stop by the booth called The Crossing, ask for that book. That book's going to help you in your next steps. It's going to help you understand what you prayed, and it's going to help you to continue to grow and learn as well. And so let us know. Let us know so that we can be praying for you as well, but we'd be glad to send that to you free of charge. So let us know that you prayed that prayer. We want to just encourage you to go out, have a wonderful week. Enjoy this Christmas season, spreading Christmas cheer. And if you need any prayer, we'll be down here at the altar for you to pray, to pray with you. But God bless you. You're dismissed.